Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's today's message. The third week of our series, um, Field of Dreams, where we've been talking about that God has this plan for a dream life for us, right? And we all want to have this dream life, and we want to live in it, and we want to have the success, but very few of us actually achieve that in our lives. And we get caught in this temptation to believe that success, that business success, financial success, career success, is what creates this dream. But success, and that's something we'll touch on a little bit later, because we all have differing versions of success, but we want to talk about what success means in the kingdom of God, right? So success matters, but how we achieve that success and how we chase that success matters more, right? And so God says, I want to give you this dream life, and I want it to happen, but you have to follow my plan. So how many of you believe that God has a plan for you, for your life? Yeah? All right. He also has a plan for how you do life. So let's get right into the teaching for today. And we're going to talk about things in two ways. We're going to talk about the principle, and then we're going to talk about the practice. Okay? And so hopefully, um, I'm not going to run out of time, and I'll get to all of this. But we're going to get through whatever we can get through, right? And we're going to hear what God has to say for us. So first... Here's the principle. My purpose comes from my creator, not my career. All right? So can you guys say that with me? Is it up on the screen? My purpose comes from my creator, not my career. All right? But we live in a world where people naturally, intuitively, almost by default, make their career their purpose, right? Because it's where most of us find our identity, our purpose, it's where we become someone, it's where people begin to see who we are, it defines um, our success, and for some of us, it's just what we live for, right? But some of you may even be wrestling with that right now. Some of you may be in a career change, some of you may be wondering, am I even in the right career? Some of you may have recently come into a relationship with God and it's totally turned your world upside down and you're trying to figure out, did I, did I do this right all along, God, or do you have a different plan for my life? But we live in a world where people are willing to sacrifice their eternity, their integrity, their marriages, their family, all for the success that the world offers. And God says, that's not going to happen. That's going to break down in your life. And eventually, I mean, we've all seen the stories of the people who have chased the success and left their families behind. And what happens? What happens when they die? All their families care about is their inheritance, right? We don't want to live in that kind of world. We don't want to be those kind of people where our kids don't know who we are. They don't know if we cared about them. Parents, I want to tell you right now, there's, a, there's an addition that is also part of this series called Raising Home Run Kids. And I want to tell you something. If you can get your kids, when they are little, to grasp this concept, you will transform their lives. Because let me tell you something. God spoke to me when my children were little, and he said, I did not give them to you to keep. I gave them to you to teach them how to leave you. That's my job. Right? That hurts, right? How do you lay that down on the altar, right? 
Here we go. We are to teach them to be productive Christ followers in a world that tells them they can't do it that way. And so here's what I want to tell you. Your child that God knitted together in your womb or in the womb of your heart, because some of us don't have kids that we birthed or that came from us, right? Your child was knitted together with a purpose. And so what we want to do is teach our children that there is a God-designed career for them that also gives the utmost glory to God. Right? So we live in a world that says the exact opposite. I'm telling you, we teach our children that they've got to have their lives figured out by eighth grade. You better have that figured out, what career path you want to take, because if you end up at the wrong school, you might not make it. If you get the wrong grade in Algebra 1 in seventh grade, your career is now ruined. Trust me, I have a teenager. I've lived it. I've lived through the tears. That's not true. That is not God's design. God's design, he is a giver of life. In the beginning, he was what? A creator, right? And God likes to create and see things grow. And God wants to see success grow in our lives, but we cannot have the payoff without the process. Now, I want to know if you are smarter than a fifth grader. What is the growth process? First, you've got to have land, right? And then you have to what? Till the soil. You have to plant the seeds. You have to water the seeds. You have to pull the weeds. You have to feed the plants. And then what is the part that we hate the most? Wait. We have to wait until harvest season comes, right? Because our desires defy the nature of God's creation. And he wants us to win, but we have to do it by his plan. So this is centered in the scriptures we've been talking about. So let's go ahead and put Romans 12, 1 and 2 up on the screen. And let's all say this together, okay? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right? All right. Now, there's a real pressure to conform to the pattern of this world. But what does he say? Do not conform, but be what? And how are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. Now, you get a special treat here today. Because I'm going to operate in my giftings a little bit today. And I'm going to give you a mini sermon inside the bigger sermon, okay? Before we jump into base one and two and talk about third base, which is confidence, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about how do we renew our minds. Because if we don't want to conform to the pattern of this world, I can tell you how to run all these bases. And I can tell you this is base one and this is base two. And you're going to get there by renewing your minds. But if I don't help you learn and figure out how to renew your mind and take you to God's word and what God's word says about renewing your mind, how are you supposed to do that? right. Right? So here we go. Transformation is not just external. Okay? 
Transformed is a word that's used one time only in the Gospels. So the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those first four of the New Testament, okay? And in Matthew and Mark, they tell a story where Jesus goes to a mountain and his disciples watch him be transformed. It's called the transfiguration, and then he goes back to heaven, okay? And it says in these scriptures that when he was transformed, that his face, was shining like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Now, I point you out to this scripture and to this because I want you to understand that not conforming isn't about checking off a to-do list. So you don't say, here's the world's to-do list and here's God's to-do list, so I'm going to leave these laws and come to these laws. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way because you can't just do right things in front of people to make a spectacle of yourself and not allow God to change you from the inside. So what happens is there's this correlation between verses 1 and verses 2 in chapter 12. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies. What do our bodies move? do move they move (laughs) our bodies move they are living they are moving beings and it says offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship so the aim of our lives of our bodies of our moving living beings is to worship we are to use our whole beings the whole of our lives to worship and glorify god But our minds are not naturally God-worshipping minds. What kind of minds are they? Can anybody tell me? Self-worshipping minds. That's right. We talked about that a little bit earlier. My career, my success, my purpose, right? But renewing our minds occurs when we allow the Holy Spirit to come inside and renew our thought processes and when we make room for Him to move in our lives. There's a correlating passage where Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verse 23, and it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind. So your mind is this thing, and it has a viewpoint. It has a frame of being. It has a bent towards certain things. It has its own way of thinking about things. And what it says is that I am infinitely the most important thing, right? We talked about that in second base because when we're dealing with people, you know what? You're looking at someone else's life and you make assumptions based on their life because of the way your life is. That's not right because it's their life. You can't assume that the person down the street is spending their money the way that you are. Or that they're sacrificing the same things that you are. Or they're doing this the way you are. Or they're doing that the way are you. Because you know what? God has placed something in each of our hands individually. All right? And it's different. And so what we have to get our minds into the mindset that he is infinitely more worthy of worship and praise than we are. Than anything else in our lives. Than our careers. Than our families. Anything. Are you tracking with me here? Do you understand what I'm saying? So what we have to do is from the outside in, we take a stance that we are going to go to church to hear God's word. We're going to read our Bibles. We're going to pray. 
We're going to worship him with song. We're going to allow his spirit to be present in our everyday lives, right? And so when we do that, then God works, the Holy Spirit comes and works from the inside out, right? And the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to wipe the scales from our eyes. And he begins to humble us and he begins to reveal the places where we need to change in our own lives. And he begins to take root in our hearts and dig out all of the junk, all of the baggage. And he transforms us from the inside out. So when we renew our minds, when we allow Jesus to come in, when we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak and reveal himself to us, then we began to think differently. We began to see life differently. We began to see the world differently. And then we began to live by a different pattern. All right? Because then we are able to do what? Discern or test and approve what God's will is. Right? His good and pleasing and perfect will. And what is his ultimate will? That whatever we do, that we bring glory to his name, and draw people to the feet of Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are in your life or what you've been through. That is his ultimate goal for your life. And if you can remember that, then you're going to be able to move around the basis. So let's remember where we've been. And I'm not as tech savvy as Uncle Josh. Uncle Josh. Josh. Pastor Josh. Okay, sorry. I, I live with five kids, so that'll be fun. All right, so we've got our bases here. We've got home plate, right? This is where we do what? Connect with God's power and purpose. Now, if you haven't been here and you've missed some of these, I encourage you to go online and go back and watch Pastor Josh's message on these, okay? Because they can really, really help you understand. So what is this? Everything does what? If you Even if you go around the bases, where do you end up? Home. Home. So everything we do begins and ends with God, right? So then we have first base, which is character. This is our personal base, right? Then we have community, which is the people in our lives. We're just saying people. You know that it's your family, your marriage, blah, blah, blah. Here is third base, which third base is competence. This is the base of performance. This is where we go for the win. Okay? So, everybody got that? You remember where we are? You've got your bases down. So, ultimately, whatever you do, you have to surrender this back to God. Right? So here's the pattern God has. We connect with him, we win in character, we win in community, and we win in competence, and then we surrender it all back to God. Right? And what have we, what have we said? But the world... I'm supposed to fix that. The world <laughs> runs the bases backwards. Right? And so what happens? What... How has Pastor Josh explained that to you? When is the only time you can run the bases backwards and it's cute? In Little League, League, right? Any other time you look like an absolute moron, right? All right. So if we run the bases backwards, then what do we do? We cheat all of the other areas in our life. 
So we cheat all the other areas in our lives and our relationships and our character and ultimately our careers will, will suffer. So what is our principle? Our career is not our purpose, right? Our purpose is found and given by our creator. He is our purpose, okay? But the church, we've bought into this huge, 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 huge lie. And this is what we do. Um, right here, down the middle, we've divided this and we've said this. This is secular. My career is secular. My business relations are secular. And everything over here has nothing to do with God. And we say, all this is sacred. And we put this dividing line... And what we've done is we've bought into the lie of the world that God has nothing to do with all of this. And I only connect with him here. And the truth is that God is all-encompassing of this baseball field. If he is not in every area of our lives, we cannot win in life. Now, one of the most important lessons that I've ever learned, I learned in seminary. And... God really spoke to me right before I graduated, and he just said to me, and you're just going to have to excuse the language, Kelly, I don't give a crap what you do. I don't care what you do, because your purpose is to bring glory to my name. And I hope that in whatever you choose to do, that you will recognize the giftings and the talents and the things that I've placed within you, and that you will find joy in bringing glory to my name. Right? I want you to let that sink in for a minute. Because you know what? So many of us are told, get a job. And maybe that's what you have to do in your points. Because I don't want to just put anybody down who just has a job. Because that may be where you are. And you may be in a point where you can't change in your career. And you're just you're trying to push through to retirement. And that's fine. That's fine. But if you're young and you're on the beginning of that path... I challenge you to get on your knees and ask God to reveal to you why he knitted you together. What did you gift me to do? How can I transform this world just by being? I'm telling you, you have to seek God's face. Because we've gotten this idea that preachers and teachers of the word and evangelists and music ministers... They've got the corner on the sacred. But that's not true. That's not true. Because scripture says the whole body works together to glorify God. Pastor Hope touched on this a little bit last week when she talked about family. And how family is the way and the thing that God uses to teach us about him. And so in everything we do... We glorify God. We testify to who he is and what his character is like. And so no matter what you may function at in the body, we do that. you know. But we try to cover up that we're still running the bases backwards. Because statistics show that the Christian world has as many divorces, as many marital problems, as many financial problems. We're sick with worry, anxiety. We don't have the peace that surpasses all understanding operating in our lives, right? And so what we've done 
is we've made that dividing line and we don't renew our minds. So we're not transformed. So we're still running the bases backwards. And instead of God, instead of asking God to renew our minds, we've asked God to bless our junk. God bless me as I run the bases backwards. So we pick up a God word here or we add a principle of truth in there, but we still live like the world and that just doesn't work. So when you recognize that your purpose comes from your creator and not your career, then and only then will your career take its rightful place. All right? So do any of you, if you're willing to be honest, just feel like financial pressures, career pressures, that they're just weighing on you and they overwhelm your life sometimes? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. If we're honest, it does that. So we've talked about the principle. Will you put that principle back up there if you can find it pretty quick? My purpose comes from my creator, not my career. There's the principle. Now, how do we put this into practice? And I'm going to go real fast here because you know what? I love our kids' burgers. <laughs> and I appreciate them because I have so I know what they go through. So here we go. You ready? Number one, here's the practice of how to put the principle into practice. Number one, bring your talent to the table. Your talent. How do you judge your third base level of competence? How do you know if you're succeeding in your career or not? What is the tendency? How do we judge that? By comparing ourselves to someone else. Or something else, right? And that's the one thing that is absolutely the worst thing you can do. Because comparison always leads to envy. So let's look at Proverbs 14.30. It says that envy makes the bones rot. Now where do bones rot? In the grave, right? And it produces a stench. If you are an envious and jealous person, everyone around you will know that. It will be evident in the way that you carry yourself. And James 3.16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Disorder. <coughs> disorder. None of us want that in our lives because comparison is the stealer of joy. Because what we do is we start looking at everybody else and we forget that God says, okay, whatever I've placed in your hand to do, and we're looking and we're going to try to go after what somebody else has. And what we don't realize is they don't have the same things in their hands. They don't have the same gifts. They don't have the same talents, and you're judging your life by someone who's holding a totally different set of cards. And you're trying to play a game, and what you're doing is you're assuming that God is looking and judging each of us one against the other. And that's not the way he works, because our minds are finite, and his is not, and he has the ability to look at all of us at the same time and see us as all of his children and make determinations about what is best for our lives and the best for his body at the same time. And we can only see ourselves in the things around us. All right? So stop.
trying to figure out what they've got in their hand or how much money they've been given or why they're operating this way and take a look in your own hand and say, God, how can I best use and be faithful with what you have given me? Right? So remember, we talked about how God likes to see things grow, right? And you have to bring your gift to the table wherever you are. Whatever you are, wherever you are in the process. So we've been using the scripture Romans 12, 1 and 2. But if you look further down into verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, it's very clear that we all have different gifts. So in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Right? Each member belongs to all of the others. And so what we're bringing to the table matters because it all works together. And the whole body. So when we compare ourselves, we don't just rob ourselves, but we rob the body from functioning properly in the way God intended. Right? Because what I have to give to somebody is not the same thing that you have to give to somebody. And if you're not gifting what you need, then that person is missing out because of you. Okay? So let's just remember that. Number two, failure is not final. The fear of failure can be paralyzing for some of us, and the truth is most of us. Some of us are so afraid of failing that we don't do anything at all, right? Some of the great leaders of the Bible failed. Peter denied Christ. Paul killed Christ's followers. Abraham fled to Egypt when God was trying to tell him he was going to protect him and keep him safe. And no matter how many times they failed, God still used them because here's the deal. How you handle your failure matters, okay? Our failures are oftentimes just stepping stones. They're a rung on the ladder of growth, of learning. And we cannot allow our failures to dictate who we're going to be. So if Peter always saw himself as a denier of Christ, he could have never been the rock. Because, see, when Jesus started talking to Peter, he said, Peter, he knew Peter was a fisherman. Peter, I want you to go out. And I want you to recognize that you, if you follow me, you'll be fishers of men. But by the time the end of the story came, Jesus was no longer talking to Peter like he was a fisherman. Even after all his failings, because he looked at him and he said, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Well, Peter wasn't a shepherd. He was a fisherman. But what happened? He was transformed. Because we go from being those who are able to only ask people to come to church to becoming those who make disciples if we are growing in Jesus. There's a pattern of growth, but we have to conquer our failure. And how you handle those wounds of failure matters. Are you going to nurse the wound? Are you going to help it get heal, to heal, to get better? Or are you going to allow it to drip and ooze and allow everyone to see that you've allowed your past to determine your future. But I'm going to tell you, your past doesn't determine your future. Jesus Christ determines your future, right? He determines your future. Number three, perform every day. 
When a batter gets up to bat, it doesn't matter if he hits a home run, a double, a triple, strikes out, butts the ball, whatever. At the next bat, he starts with the same number of opportunities to hit the ball. So when you show up, you have to show up every day. No matter what your day has looked like, no matter if you worked extra hard the day before, that doesn't give you an excuse or an out not to show up. Right? Colossians 3.23 says this. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you are working for the Lord and not for human masters. And this is hearkening back to an Old Testament scripture in Ecclesiastes that says, whatever your hand finds to do, work with all your might to do it, because you can't work when you're dead. <laughs> Period. That's what it says. You can't work when you're dead. And so this is taking it one step further, because what does Jesus do when he comes? He doesn't abolish what happened in the Old Testament, but he takes it and he expands it so that we truly understand what he was trying to get across. Yeah. Right? So we don't work with what's in our hands for anyone else but God. It doesn't matter what your career is, what your life pattern is, what you have chosen to do. You are doing it for the Lord, not for someone else. And if you are doing it for the Lord, then when you show up, you will show up proud and loud and you will work hard and you will do it to the best of your ability. Because it's easy to slack off when it's just for someone else, especially if you feel like someone else doesn't appreciate what you're doing, right? But it's not about someone else appreciate what you're doing because you're not doing it for them, right? We're doing it for the Lord, for his glory, to see his purpose. Now, this one is the one that hits me, and I'm going to have to go through it fast, but it's number four. Have a funeral and get a new dream. There is no value in pretending. For every one of us, there are dreams that have collapsed and died and went by the wayside, or we've become a Christian and realized that we didn't have the right dream at all, or we've grown up and realized, hey, I'm in a career, and I'm not really talented at this. I'm not even gifted at this. I really stink at it. I should find something new to do. And it doesn't turn out exactly like we planned. This little five-year-old girl had a dream in her bed in Florida that she was going to be a missionary to Hawaii, (laughs) right, to the natives, right? And everybody laughed at me just like you did my whole life, but not my mama, not my mama. My mama said, girl, you're going to do that one day. And so I went through my whole life, and I went to seminary, and I got this MDiv with a specialty in missions, And then I got married and quit school and had kids and took nine years to finish my degree. Talk about dreams dying and looking different and having to look at it in a new way. And along the way, I was like, oh, maybe missions wasn't exactly what I, as I took all those missions classes, I was like, oh, maybe missions wasn't really what I thought it to be. And then a year later, after I adopt two boys, God speaks to me and he says, I brought it to you. That's right. That's right. What is in your hand? What is the dream that needs to die so that true growth can happen? And you know what? We're afraid to grieve, so we don't let things die because we don't want to cry, we don't want to mess up our makeup, and we don't want our kids to think we're fragile. Wake up. Have a funeral. Go to the woods. Cry it out. 
sit in your car at Starbucks, <laughs> drink it up, and give it away. Give it away. Let it die and let growth happen. Because what's going to happen is when you bury that, you're going to find that the soil of what you've buried is infiltrated by the spirit of the living God who grows things up in a new and powerful way that you can never imagine. Ooh, my Pentecostal roots are He's going to grow it up. And he's going to bring up something more beautiful than you could ever imagine. But if you don't have the courage to grieve and let something that you thought was die, you can never watch that new thing grow. Right? So, here's the point I want to end with. Matthew 5.4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. But we don't want to mourn. We want an epidural for the pain. But what God says is you need a midwife. Nice. You need someone to encourage you to lean into that pain so that with every push and with every pain, you're not screaming, I can't do this. Or you may be screaming, I can't do this, but you have someone beside you who says, yes, you can. Yes, you can. When I had my last child, I decided to do it with it out an epidural, and I was standing there, and I said, I am an idiot. I am going to get out of this shower, and I am going to go down the hall, and they're going to give me an epidural, and life will be good. And then apparently I let out a moan like no one has ever heard. Yep. And then I left a baby. That is called transition, and you may be in the transition of your life. And you may be in that point where you're saying, I am so dumb. I cannot do this. I can't get to the next step. But I'm about to tell you, you're about to birth something yes. in your life that no one can take from you, that you will hold and you will treasure, and that God will say, this is beautiful in your life. Amen. So don't pretend. Be honest with yourself. Offer up your talents. Offer up your gifts. Run the bases the right way. Connect with God. Get your character where it needs to be. Because I'm telling you, if your character is right, you're going to push through. You're going to push through. You're going to have right relationships with people. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in these bases. Just start running towards first and quit running towards third. Run the way he tells you to run. Get in on God's game plan and remember that he's the beginning and the end of it all, right? All right. Now, they sang this song right before I came up, and it's called Build My Life, right? And that's what we want him to do. So let's sing this song again together, and then we're going to close our service today. And I just want you to take that with me, with me, with you. <laughs> take what I've said. Um, actually, don't take what I said with you. That's not really true because you know what? My prayer from the beginning of this week was, God, what do our people need to hear? What do your people need to hear today? So I pray that the Holy Spirit will open the eyes of your heart and that you will have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is speaking, not what I said. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.